Don't let them take advantage of you, son. You should know better. He was eight years old. His friends had asked if they could buy a new slingshot that he just recently made. He valued it, and he played with it for a while, but, you know, he was done with it. He'd pegged a few unsuspecting passerbys from the ditch, getting them to look around and hunt for him with consternation and just a little bit of pain. He'd target practice with it on birds, pots, and a couple boys at school that he didn't like very much. But a few short days after using it, you know, he was done. Just like most toys. They're like that, aren't they? No matter how old you are or how big the toy is. So when his friends said that they'd buy it, he was pretty pumped and he told his dad. And then came the lecture. Well, what are they offering you, son? Calculate what it's actually worth and hold your ground. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter whether they like you. You need to do what's good. You can make money on this. He got a killer deal in the end by shrewdly communicating to his peers in like a couple day long underground auction. You know, things like, hey, Eamon offered me more than that this morning. What do you got? You get the picture. Because you see, he was good at business. That was his interest. That's what he was about. It's a quality he loved about himself. He was all about business. What about you? What are you about? What qualities do you have? What interests, Southwest? What possessions? Business. He remembered his first business. He was only 10 years old. His father gifted him a goat for his 10th birthday. You see, they weren't poor. Goats weren't cheap. Uh, But they were also strict. It wasn't a goat to play with. This wasn't a pet. Son, if you can't buy five goats with what you get from this goat by the time you're 11, what will that say about you, about me? What will that say about our family? The words of his father and his mom standing behind him with a hesitant but affirming nod. Five times. Jeez, Dad. But he'd been trained for this. His dad had guided him. And they guided him with scripture. They guided him with sense and an appeal to his honor. You see, money comes from hard work, am I right? Go to the ant, sluggard. Learn from its ways. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty comes on you. Lazy people want much, but they get little. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. These kind of phrases harassed his mind as he built an enclosure for his goat. He planned a diet that would yield the most milk, worked on establishing a customer base in the neighborhood, developed a way to communicate why his goat milk was superior to the customers and make it sound more coveted by the community than it actually was. But it wasn't lying. He was a good follower of God. As the scripture says, bread bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. A poor man is better than a liar. So he didn't lie. He found a way to gather grain and wheat with permission from the edges of neighbor's fields so he didn't pay anything to feed his goat. And his first deliveries were done in a nasty old clay jar that his family had, and he knew if he's going to up his clientele, he's got to up his game. His image. So first came a better container and then a delivery outfit, then a second goat and so on. You get the picture. Work, hard, honest work. Be a good person. Make money, son. 
And he felt like he was making his dad proud. His people proud. Maybe even God proud. Business was his interest. It was a quality he loved about himself. He was good at it. He was a businessman. What about you? What about me? What's a quality that you have? An interest that you have? What's a possession that you have? Does it drive you? Motivate you? You fool, he screamed. How could you sell seven bushels for that small of a price? You are done here. Get out. It's not like letting people go gave him pleasure. It was necessary for honor, for his people, for God. Selling wheat from the recent harvest, it had been a tough road. He was a long way past goats now. So many competitors, so many more sellers that were politically connected. Garbage. This made it difficult. Taxes were high. There was an oppressive regime. Where are you, God, he thought. When will you rescue your people? You've left us. Have you left me entirely? But then he paused. This is one of the only times he actually thought about God in a long time. Weird. Where'd that come from? Now, he knew his people were troubled and oppressed. Massive injustices were being perpetrated. His cousin had actually been imprisoned for refusing to be conscripted into the military and fleeing. His priest had been banished for something he said at church against the government. One of his own businesses had been shut down by the governor. But the money was still good. It's okay. Work. He was money wise. Thanks, Dad, he thought. He'd long since moved on from goats, and the loss of a farm to the governor was infuriating, for sure. He raged and he fumed for weeks. Nobody wanted to be around him. But he had 11 fields, 200 sheep, 1,000 goats now, a currency exchange business, 62 people that directly worked for him. He was good. That's what he was about. He was a businessman. It's a quality he loved about himself. It's who he was. What about you? What's a quality that you have, an interest that you've got, or something that you own? Do you lose sight of other people's suffering because of it? Does it make you rage when you lose them? Get out, she screamed. Me, he replied. This is my house. Right, she said. And I need to pack up so that I can leave it forever. And I don't want you anywhere near me for another second of my life. Get out. She had that fire in her eyes. And he'd seen it before all too often. All you care about is money and work. Oh, but you're so good. She fumed. She ridiculed. He turned and stormed out. He had work to do. It's true, though. He was a good man. He'd lived his life by scriptures. He'd done the right things. He wasn't a liar. He worked hard. He went to church every week. He cared about his people and God's plan for his people somewhere in there. He was improving his lot by making money. But here she was, the love of his life. Well, all right. The second love of his life. And she was returning to her family, too. Just like the first. Screaming something as he left about being unheard or unloved, wanting something more substantial or spiritual. And her dad was actually standing right there with her. That was humiliating because their fathers had been good friends. So this one hurt more. 
I provide, he mumbled to himself as he left, storming out. I pay, I give security, I'm a good man. He blasted to himself, he speedwalked to survey the closest farm, you know, the one he owned. An instant switch into work mode. He had to switch. He didn't get what was going on back there, what that was about. He had business to do because he was good at business. What about you? What about me? What are you good at? What are qualities you have? What are interests that capture you? What are things you own? Do you sacrifice relationships for them? Do we? What good are you to me? He was getting heated. This was a good friend of his now that he was talking to. What good is a friend, though, if it's no good for you? It's not good for business, he thought to himself. And then he turned to his friend. I told you I'm stressed about finances and you want to pray? You want to go for a walk? What good does that do to me? I have over 100 people working for me. Don't you get it? I protect us from the government. I'm a good person. Why don't you tell me what else I need to do to be good? Does goodness get me more income? And if you can't tell me that, you're no good to me. There was a short silence. Eventually, his friend responded softly. Have you heard about a new teacher in the area? I've been listening to him. He speaks about a different kind of life. It's not about his image, his business, but about life with God with a full soul, about a love for God and contentment with being with God. Oh, so now you're a mystic priest, are you? He raged at his friend. He was beside himself, and he was actually a little confused at the rage behind his response. And then it got quiet again, and his friend silently shook his head, turned and gave one last comment that sort of stung. Look, I've been trying to be good. Maybe that's the problem. This teacher is saying something about needing to surrender first and love. I want you to know I love you like a brother. And he turned. And he was gone. The rich man was angry and hurt, confused about relationships again. They should improve your lot in life. They should provide something. They should make you look good. That's what dad did for me. But none of his relationships have been making him more productive, clear-minded in his business, or fulfilled in what he was trying to achieve. So forget it, he thought. It's bad for business, just like this teacher guy in town probably will be bad for business. But then he paused and said, or maybe, maybe I can capitalize on it. Maybe what this teacher's teaching I can use. Because he was good at business. What about you? What are you good at? What are you all about? What am I all about? What are qualities, interests, possessions that you have? Do they actually make you skeptical of spirituality or love? Because they get in the way of those interests? I know they do for me. She was weeping. It was his aunt's friend. He'd grown up with her. And she was walking away from the crowd. He watched her confusedly. And so he was curious. You see, his friend wasn't the first one to tell him about this new teacher in town. And now here he was. He heard he was in the neighborhood. The crowd was surprisingly large. 
In fact, some of his employees were in it. They should be working. What's this guy selling anyways? How does he do it? Man, this is a huge crowd. I'm going to learn some skills. But it didn't seem like the people were being duped. There was wealthy and there was poor. People from all different walks of life. Men, women, all listening attentively. What's this guy got, he said. So he edged his way to the outskirts of the crowd and he listened. The words were hard to hear at first. And then they become clear. Slowly. Ever so slowly they began to speak to something in him. It took time. Something he hadn't felt actually in a while. The teacher spoke about love, about divorce, and God's plan. You see, that one panged him at first because his parents were divorced now. He'd been mad about it. The shame to his family. It was bad for business. He was bitter. But somehow, somehow this teacher, the way that he talked about it with compassion and love. You see, no one had talked about divorce with that tone before. They called him Yeshua, which means Savior. That seemed really flippant, blasphemous to him. But he spoke with compassion and love about divorce and truth. And so he found himself on his toes, pushing the person in front of him subconsciously to get just a little bit closer. And then the teacher was finished, and the crowd started dispersing. You know, some were just on to the next thing, just like he often was. Some of them were actually mocking Jesus, what he just said. Many left quietly. Some were weeping like his aunt. Others sat and stood with their eyes in contemplation, cast down, thinking. He just watched, a little suspicious, carefully. It's an odd way to get a following, all these responses. Yet something warming was occurring in his heart, and he felt things he hadn't in a long time. And a verse from Scripture, a bunch of verses from Scripture, erupted inside of him that as a kid he'd heard, but they weren't the ones repeated in his home. Not about money, but God's grief over sin, about the love of God and his desire to be with his people and for his people to be with him. They started bubbling up in him. He hadn't sensed this in a long time. He hadn't heard these in a long time. He hadn't thought about these in a long time. He hadn't sensed love deep down. Verses about God calling us by name, making us rich in spirit. That wasn't his his business. That wasn't his interest. You see, he was a businessman. He was good at it. That's what he was interested in. What about you? What about me? What are qualities you have? What are things that you're interested in? What are things that you own? Do they blind you and me to God? To our souls? He watched this Joshua figure. He watched kids approach the teacher, and he laughed internally. Kids are so annoying. They don't work hard, they're too distracted. They're no good with money. They're too focused on themselves. Those were his thoughts as he watched the kids approach him. And then he watched the teacher's followers um, who loved that their teacher was getting all this prestige and they shooed the kids away. Get out of here. And he's like, yep, just like it should be. 
But then Jesus did something weird. He pushed past his followers. He knelt down. He laughed. And he spoke to the kids. He listened to them. He answered their super silly questions. And then at the end of it, he prayed for them. And there was something confusing about this. And it started overcoming him. You see, his childhood had been flooded with training, shrewdness, responsibility, be good, make money, follow the commands, make your people look good, do honor to your family by profit. This is what's good. But here was Jesus hugging and loving and listening. Something in him was welling up. And then he had another passing thought. A passage in there swirling around about the grass withers, the flowers fall. That's what happens to money. It goes away. It doesn't last. It was too much. He wanted his relationships back. He wanted to know he was going to be okay deep down in the long run. And so he just sort of out of his own mind approached. The teacher was relatively alone now on the outskirts of the crowd. And they were still attentive to him. But he was relatively alone and approachable. And before the rich man even reached him, the teacher turned to him and smiled. Stern but loving. Teacher, what should I do to gain eternal life? He was surprised at his own voice asking a teacher. Why do you ask me about what's good, Jesus replied. His tone was genuine. It was concerned. He was fully present with this man. There's only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, true life, keep the commandments. Only one that's good about the rich man? <laughs> what about my dad? He's a good man. What about me? I'm pretty good. What about my priest? He's pretty good. Well, all right, well, which commands? He said out loud. And the teacher started in on some of the same old stuff he'd heard since he was a kid. Here we go. Don't murder. Check. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal, don't lie. He was starting to tune out. Something about the teacher's tone was different. And he started to reply, I've done all that. But in the middle of it, Jesus added something that made him pause a little. Love your neighbor as yourself. He finished. I've, I've done that. I'm still empty. You see, he was good at business. That's what his interests were. That's what his quality was. That's what he knew. That's who he was. What about you? What about me? What are your qualities, Southwest? What are you all about? What are your interests? What are the things you own? Is it actually being good, one of them? Do they leave you empty like the rich man? But the conversation wasn't over. Jesus responded, if you want completion, if you want true life and connection with God for eternity, satisfaction for your soul at the deepest level, you need to go and sell your possessions. That hit like thunder. He wanted something deeper. Something was stirring in him. He knew there was something else out there. But give up? Sell? <laughs> Ridiculous. He found himself infuriated. Ridiculous. He turned away laughing. Foolishness. 
And then as he turned and Jesus' gaze was still fixed on him lovingly, his laughter faded and he looked back to Christ. He looked down. He looked up again and made eye contact with Christ. And then he lowered his gaze and he turned away. Sadness. The voice of Jesus behind him, come, follow me, follow me. It was beautiful. True identity. Identity given by something outside of himself, which, by the way, is the only place identity comes from. True goodness, true love, true relationship, all in the phrase, follow me. But he couldn't. He was wealthy. That's who he is. Give it up. Ridiculous. Foolish. And he became crestfallen. Business was his quality, his interests, his possessions. He walked away. He didn't even hear the rest of what Christ said about sacrificing something, about things dear to you and giving them up to find true life, true identity. Within 40 feet of walking away, he was reminded of the accounting that needed to be done of the goat herd manager, Aaron. He's like, man, I got to get to that. And so it went alone, good at business, a businessman. That's who he was, devoid of true life, dead until his death. What about you? What about me? Guys and gals, what are the qualities, interests, and the possessions that have become who you are? When you lose them, do you get unreasonably angry or despondent? If so, I question whether or not they've become a part of our identity and they have no business being there. You see, Christ didn't tell anybody else to go sell their possessions. Have you ever thought about that? He didn't tell anybody else to sell their possessions. He goes after the things that you take as an identity. Because he wants you. So what is it for you? Good grades? Friends? Is it your family? Is it lust? Is it a girlfriend or boyfriend? Is it your phone? Is it your car? Is it your favorite team or your team? Is it wealth? Like the rich man. Popularity? Is it gender? Is it race? Is it America? Is it your looks? Is it your talents? Is it your favorite shows and your music? And you get infuriated when these things are attacked. What about your clothes? Is it your humor? What are you about? It's not always clear how Christ exactly gives us identity, guys and gals, but he is the way to understanding you in fullness of life, to showing you life eternal. The rich man had to release his identity from wealth. He couldn't do it. What about us? Can we? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I know in this room that, um, including myself, there are a ton of things that are qualities that we have. There are a ton of things that we've wrapped our identity and self around. I pray, God, that you would break them. 
Show us, Lord, through our anger and our despondency about things that have nothing to do with justice. Our anger about things that, in the relative scheme of things, should not be our identity. Show us, Father, where we've rooted ourselves in those things. God, we desperately need you. And Lord, I thank you that you love each and every person in this community. You deeply love them. You call us by name. You long for us to follow you. May we follow you and all all these other things this year. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.